Welcome to Market Scale Retail. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I have the pleasure of having a conversation with Jackie Werblow, the CEO and head coach at Convex Leadership. Jackie, how are you today? I'm great, Sean. How about you? I'm very excited to get to talk to you again, and I have something a little different in mind today. When I was a little bit younger, and by that I mean when my children were younger, we loved to do jigsaw puzzles. And so I would like to do a mental and verbal jigsaw puzzle with you today, but the twist is I want to do it in reverse. So I want to start with the final picture and have you deconstruct it for me. And that final picture today is leadership, which is something you know a little bit about. And I would like you to help me deconstruct that. So let's start off. What do most people think leadership is? That's a great question, Sean. You know, if you gather 12 people in a room and you ask them to write down one word that's a synonym for leadership, you're likely to get anywhere from eight to 12 different answers. But there's five things that most people agree on about a good leader. And that is Someone who sets the direction, who takes in a great deal of information and can synthesize it into a direction. Someone that can share that direction with inspiration and transparent communication. Someone who can set the ship in the right direction for executing the strategy. And someone who, to their core, has integrity and authenticity and can be counted on to always do the right thing. You know, all of those, I think, are exquisitely accurate. I've always thought that the best leaders that I've ever known have been people who didn't feel the need to drag everyone in the right direction. As you mentioned, they point the ship in the right direction and they have the confidence and the faith in the rest of the group or the team to continue pulling the rope in that direction, so to speak. Leaders don't always have to, quote unquote, lead from the front, do they? No, they really don't. If you think about it, um, what they're doing is orchestrating the music, so to speak, of the plan. They know when the violins are going to come in and they know when the brass is going to play. And they may guide and communicate with the violins and communicate with the other teams of the orchestra, but they're always knowing what's going on and anticipating what's coming next. And then they allow their people to go do, as you said, to get the job done. They give them space. I'd like to talk briefly about some of the different pieces that are part of the composite leadership. So I want to give you a term and then if you'd be kind of to break that term down for me into its simplest form. So the first term I want to start with is mentoring. That's a great term and a mentor helps someone achieve the next level of success. They use their own set of experiences and what they've learned in life, and they help an individual get to that next level themselves. So they're not solving or giving advice, but they're providing the environment in which the person can grow by giving them enough information. And then the greatest question of all, which is, well, what do you think and how will you approach it? So a mentor helps and guides, but doesn't do. There seems to be a classic notion that one apprentice has one mentor. 
But that's not necessarily the best recipe for overall success, is it? No. You know, there are seasons in your life where different leaders are mentors. And the best leaders have had multiple mentors, as many as three, four, five, or more. And that just helps the individual become all that much better, all that much more confident, and all that much more experienced in what to do. So the second term that I want to approach today is considered by many to be a synonym for mentoring, but I have a feeling you have a different definition of that word, and that is coaching. You know, a lot of people use the terms at the same time, interchangeably, and they're not. A coach is about you as a person, where a mentor is about you and your particular career steps. So with a coach, you know, you're never coaching to a particular issue, but you're coaching the person and how they can achieve that greater self. While with a mentor, the mentor is trying to guide you to greater success in a particular job, a particular point of your life, a particular company. So coaching is much more inclusive of the individual while mentoring is much more about one single skill, job, task, company, or career step. The third point that I'd like to bring up is, I hate using a word to define a word. I think that's cheating. But I'm going to use the word leadership in this term as part of leadership, and that is leadership development. So leadership development is the art and science of moving managers from managing or administrators to truly being the leader, the one that can set the direction and can be that inspirational point that guides a company or guides a team within a company. And leaders are not born. You know, when you're born, the doctor doesn't say to your parents, congratulations, you've just given birth to a little leader. Leaders are developed and they're developed experientially by having the right set of jobs and tasks to do. And they grow through mentorship for sure. But the final component of that is really teaching skills about how does a leader think? How do they make the decisions? How can they act upon 70% of the available facts and make an extraordinary decision? To put it in a sports analogy, let's talk about a team that gets a new quarterback. And the quarterback, he has a certain set of skills, obviously, that he's developed before joining this team. But this team doesn't really know all of his skills yet. They don't know the things that he's capable of. They don't know the emotional investment that he has in them as a team. And that type of quarterback is generally known as a bus driver, a quarterback that's just there to run the place. They don't use a lot of intuition. They don't use a lot of improvisation. They just run the place. And after a couple of seasons, if that quarterback has the right mental makeup and the physical skills, then they actually grow into being a leader. And I think that is an example of what you said, that leaders are not born. They're made by that logic, does that mean that anybody could theoretically become a good leader or are there some other pieces at play? 
Well, first of all, wouldn't it be interesting if everyone was a leader? That would be a challenge because certainly we need stronger leaders in certain roles. But the reality is leadership is not a title. Everyone can be a leader and they can be a leader in a particular area or a leader about a particular type of skill. And they balance that skill with the leadership skills of communication and direction, execution, and they do it in a transparent way. So you could have a company of leaders and how lucky you are if you do, because certain of those leaders will take the center stage at the right time. And then for other activities, other leaders will step up. And so truly, it's not that you're a leader in every situation. Part of being a good leader is also knowing when to step back and be a good teammate. And just like the quarterback knows as an offensive play caller, they know exactly what to do. They have to have confidence in the defense to get out on the field and keep the other team from scoring. Leadership is the same way. You can be a leader one day and a great teammate the next day. And I really like that approach that if we're all pulling on the same rope in the same direction and it's the right direction, that ultimately is the best for everyone. So we've taken this jigsaw puzzle of leadership apart, I think, fairly well. Now I would like to have you put the pieces back together. But this time when we put the pieces together, we're going to glue them. I would like to talk about some of the elements that you think help build leaders as we put these pieces back together. Hmm. You know, I'd like to do that through a story. Would that be okay? Oh, absolutely. So this, I love listening to stories of leadership from around the globe. And some of them along the way I may have influenced, but many of them, most of them, I'll never be a part of and you'll never be a part of. And yet they provide inspiration for what great leadership is. This one actually came from a family member of mine who was telling me about her boss's boss, a man named Mike. Mike is an ordinary man with extraordinary leadership capabilities. He has the respect of his team, his colleagues, his bosses. He's someone that people work with and say, I'd like to be like Mike. He's someone to emulate and well into building his legacy. I've heard about him from this family member for several years, but the other day was his birthday and he was honored by his company with his own day. Every manager, supervisor, director within the company wore Mike's trademark blue button-down shirt, navy pants, and because they work outside sometimes, his signature straw hat to protect from the sun. And it wasn't just his team. It was every manager with whom he has had contact in the company for the past 20 years. It was as if every manager was saying, I like Mike by adopting his style for the day. And amazingly, even the local CEO joined in the fun. To the guests that came into that particular company's location that day, it probably looked like everyone had adopted a pretty unique uniform standard. But to the people who chose to emulate and honor his legacy for that day, 
I'm told there was an extra spring to their step and a shared knowing smile because each of them had been trained for their roles by Mike. And each of them knew that day in, day out, he showed them true servant leadership and engagement. Now, the interesting part about this company decision to wear Mike's style, it didn't come from one leader or from the top of the house. It came from the people who had trained with Mike or were trained by Mike through the years. And they went to the CEO and asked if they could honor their leader on his milestone birthday. You know, that is, I think, uh, the natural response, at least I would hope. And because I love hearing stories as much as you love hearing stories, is there a chance you have one more you could tell me today? You know, I do. New CEO Bob. This one is, um, to me, both inspiration and perspiration. Bob was a new CEO and in a consumer products company. He was really excited because for the first time, he was going to be responsible for making sure there was new product innovation and really industry-leading technology. The board of directors had told Bob that this was going to be a tough road. He knew he had to improve profitability, but he had some surprises his first week. And in that first week, he was surprised to find a company looking squarely at not being able to cover payroll within months, let alone having some sort of budget for innovation. And so visiting with members of the board, wanting to make sure that he spoke to the people who had influenced the decision to bring him on, he contemplated three choices. Make all of the tough decisions himself on a new structure, a big reduction in force and a way to write the financials, or select a small circle of key leaders to bring under the tent to advise them on something they didn't know, which was how poor the company was performing, and seek their assistance. And then the third alternative, which happens quite frequently, which is bring in a consulting group that's very experienced at restructuring when companies are in financial difficulty. So Bob thought about it for a few days, and then he went with the fourth option. And this option required building trust very quickly, respecting the people that worked with and for him, and a good deal of courage on his part. He selected a small circle at first and advised them that within one week, every employee would be told of the tough road ahead. The team was shocked and not entirely on board that their new CEO who by the way had never been a CEO before, could put forth what he called his mission of transparency. It would be an open explanation of what he believed had led to their situation, unbridled spending, too many added positions, a lack of understanding of the business challenges and the environment in which they were working. And he wanted to make sure that the people who want to make cool products for customers understood the financial realities they were up against. Despite his team's concerns, his mission of transparency led to a complete cascading of information. And from that came monthly meetings where he brought the people along telling them exactly where they were financially. During his first year, he built total trust in that organization, accountability, and a commitment to results. He broke down the silos between departments, 
and people, and everyone became focused on the same goal, restoration of profitability without damaging the core. Bob inspired every employee who wanted to put forth the perspiration to help the company succeed. And despite having to reduce the workforce substantially, within 18 months, after many difficult conversations and decisions owned by every leader, exceptional profitability was restored. Cool new products began to enter the market. And the true thing here is that despite no promise of pay raises, Despite the fact that there would be no annual bonus earned for some of the key leaders, only one key leader chose to leave. And those whose positions were eliminated in the first dark days cheered for the company's success from the sidelines. And several people after 12 to 18 months applied for positions and rejoined the company as it achieved profitability. The question that many of these people heard from the outside was, why would you stay knowing you were putting your compensation, your career growth on hold? And the answer most often heard, they wanted to be part of the best in the industry and they knew they had to go through the pain first. But as long as Bob was at the helm and telling them as it, as it was, they were confident that they could do it. Sounds like authenticity is really up there in the traits that contribute to solid leadership. An authentic leader causes more engagement because it, they open those channels of communication. But it sounds like they unlock something else, that authentic leaders give a company a chance to maybe grow beyond the restrictions of its flower pot, so to speak. Yes, it's it's about engagement and it's about opening the hearts and the minds and giving everybody the opportunity to succeed with the company and also the benefit of the doubt. And that's a term that that Bob used quite a bit during the during the time when people had a natural inclination early on to point the finger at someone else and he said, "You know what? We're not going to do that." We're going to give every employee the benefit of the doubt that they want to be successful and that they want to contribute, and we're not going to play the blame game. It's that authenticity and transparency that drives and propels success. It is always an authentically worthwhile intellectual discussion with you, but even more special is that it is always clearly emotionally impactful. I personally want to thank you for taking the time today. It's always a pleasure. I've had a chance today to have a conversation with Jackie Werblow, the CEO and head coach of Convex Leadership. Jackie, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful and successful day. Thank you. And the same to you, Sean. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.